0: Okay, this morning. I don't know. I don't know about you, but do any of you ever feel like overwhelmed with everything that's going on in life? Like I mean, this was just, this was a holiday week, so all of you you know had lots of free time and uh, you know, open schedules, right? Is that how it works out? I mean, you didn't have to go to work on Thursday or some of you even Friday, right? So you know we live in a society that is is very fast paced if it's not you know if it's not one thing it's another you have you know you have kids sports to go to you have uh holiday gatherings at at one family and extended family and the cousins that you used to know really well and um aunts and uncles uh we have you know we have sports games to watch we have uh, so many things that that you know we pl- we pack full of our st- Pack our schedules full of. Uh, and then we have the other little interruptions. We have, you know, the little text messages here and there, the, the Facebook notifications, the the ESPN updates uh, that just kind of pop into our lives at this point. And uh, just our, our minds are at times flitting from one thing to another. And it seems like it's a very rare time that we can just focus on one thing. Uh, that we can just uh, be able to concentrate on something, and I think one of our tendencies with that is to look at at some of the ideas that that are coming into society at this time that we need to just stop and we need to clear our minds of everything we need to to be able to just um, just empty our minds and and be able to just be at peace for a little bit, and so this morning we're going to talk about the topic of meditation. Okay, it's a it's a word that has uh, varying perspectives depending on what your background is, depending on what what different uh, cultures you grew up in, and uh, so we're going to talk about some of those different perspectives on meditation. But there's one thing: it it is appealing. It is appealing to be able to. To look at something and say, you know, I want to just block out everything else. I want to be able to, to meditate. But we have to be careful because different, uh, different people have different meanings with that word. Uh, this quarter we've been teaching a class on cults and world religions. And so for the past couple of weeks we've, we've talked about the occult. We've talked about Hinduism and Buddhism and some other Eastern religions. And... Wrapped up in a lot of those, uh, there is uh, a key facet of meditation. Okay, well, is what they mean by the word meditation, is that the same thing that, that we should be practicing? Uh, is, it, is it different? How is it different? Uh, so let's take a look at that today. Um, first, let's look at some of the, uh, the wrong approaches to meditation. Meditation that does not fit our biblical interpretation. Uh, so the first of all, first, first one we're going to look at here is uh, pagan, eastern, and new age meditation. And now these will all have varying different slants on the term of meditation, uh, but they all kind of come from a, a pantheistic viewpoint, meaning that you know, everything, God is everything, everything is God, um, there's, you know, different interpretations of that too, but but at least they're coming from that viewpoint. So when you hear them talking about meditation, they're going to come up with with different methods of of meditating. Uh, they'll have some breathing techniques. You know, you want to to calm yourself. You want to breathe slowly and deeply. Okay. They'll have some visual, visualizations. So when you're meditating, you need to breathe you know a certain way you need to picture this in your mind they'll also have different positions okay you should sit this way you should be in this environment and those they'll you know will specify all of these different criteria for what you're doing then another method that they employ is emptying the mind of rational thought okay so you shouldn't be thinking about you know problems or issues or Uh, solutions or whatever you should just your mind should be should be empty Uh, sometimes they employ asceticism so you should you should bring some things into your your meditation that that make things difficult whether that is sitting perfectly still or it's sitting on a little pole or um, whatever the case may be, uh, they think that some of those situations or those um, constraints that you put on yourself can help you meditate better. And what is the purpose thereafter? Okay, there's a couple different purposes uh, that they specifically want to achieve with meditation. Okay, first of all, they want to overcome the desires of the body. Uh, there are some elements of, of this type of meditation that are, you know, go all the way back to, to Gnosticism. Uh, in the early centuries after christ uh, where they have the viewpoint that the physical is bad and the spiritual is good so for them they want to to, to create some sort of disconnect from the physical body to the spiritual so they will, they will subjugate their physical body and be able to focus only on the spiritual uh, overcoming the desires of the body uh, in Buddhism, this is, a, this is a key element where you want to be able to overcome uh, the evil forces. They also want to attain a state of tranquility or spiritual enlightenment. So through this meditation, they want to be um, completely peaceful and at the same time um, be able to, to take their spiritual level up another notch um, to be able to be spiritually enlightened uh, with with their pantheistic viewpoint, they want to become one with the universe, so they view this whole universe as being um, an aspect of God, and through meditation, they can kind of join that uh, so that 's kind of that 's one of their one of their purposes for meditation. another that uh, you 'll find very common in the new age movement is personal wellness okay meditation is is healthy for us we want to be we want to be whole personally. It's part of a um, part of therapy for for the body, for the soul, and as well, some will look to meditation uh, for spiritual guidance. Okay, whether that is through uh, contacting their higher self, as the New Age movement would would uh, refer to it, or just you know just becoming connected with the spirit world and giving the spirit world an opportunity to direct your life uh, through this meditation okay hopefully listening to that there's some red flags going up um, we'll talk about those more as we we get into the biblical uh, perspective on meditation but that would be that would be the methods they use that would be the purposes that they're pursuing uh, with meditation from a from a theistic viewpoint though there's a there's another approach to meditation uh, that that kind of came about in the middle ages and that is the medieval uh, Roman Catholic meditation and uh, being uh, originated in the Catholic church. It, it does have a theistic perspective. I mean, they would, they would claim to believe the same God that we believe in. Uh, So their methods look a little different. Their purpose looks a little different, Um, but we'll critique this as well. Uh, So in the Roman Catholic meditation, um, we have you know, some elements of asceticism. You want to kind of put constraints on your body. You want to punish uh, your body a little bit uh, just so you appreciate the meditation more. Uh, you want to be uh, in self-denial. Uh, so whether that involves fasting or, or changing your environment so it's a little harsher, uh, they want to, to put some of these, these pressures on them uh, physically. Uh, and as well, they will employ uh, solitude and prayer now in and of, in and of themselves, solitude and prayer is a good thing or a bad thing. good, okay, we read often of Jesus Christ leaving the crowds, of leaving the the situation that he 's in, leaving the disciples and going away to be by himself and pray, okay, so by itself um, that 's not bad. the purpose though of of this type of meditation, as practiced by uh, the medieval Roman Catholics, uh, they they wanted to um, to welcome the presence of God and did so in a very mystical sort of way. Um, so they wanted they wanted the presence of God to come near them, and they thought they could do this uh, by by practicing meditation. Uh, they wanted to. Uh, to be in a place where they could meet God and receive the impressions of the Holy Spirit, okay? they wanted direct intimate consciousness of what they refer to as the divine presence. okay now that sounds a little bit uh, a little bit mystical, okay? and it is okay? they want uh, the divine presence to kind of take over their consciousness, and uh, finally, one of their goals is to experience peace okay so that's a valid goal, uh, to, to experience peace. I mean, that's something that all of us want. That's something that, in some ways, God promises to those follow, who follow him. But, just looking at these, these two different examples, uh, actually, before we critique them, let me read a quote. Uh, this is from uh, the book called The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akemsis. And this is a book that we would, you know, we would read most of it, And agree with a lot of what he says. It's a you know a book about following Christ, about us as Christians imitating Jesus Christ. But he begins the chapter on meditation, uh, the first chapter in the second volume here. Uh, Let me just read the first paragraph of what he says. First, he quotes Luke 17 21, which says, "The kingdom of God is within you," says the Lord. Okay, and then he gives his comment on it. He says, "Turn then to God." With all your heart. Forsake this wretched world. And your soul shall find rest. Learn to despise external things. To devote yourself to those that are within. And you will see the kingdom of God come unto you. That kingdom which is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Gifts not given to the impious. Now that just sounds. Contrary to what we know of. Of that verse what we know of of the way god works with people okay should we learn to despise external things and just focus inwardly uh, and let the spirit work inwardly uh, to let the kingdom of god come into our hearts Uh, that's not what that's not what christ was referring to in that verse Uh, and uh, to to despise external things to despise the physical and focus inwardly only on the spiritual uh, can get us in a lot of danger uh, as Christians because we are called to live in a physical world we 're called to to minister to to the people around us uh, so the inward focus desiring something mystical or, or magical to happen in, uh, when we get ourselves in the right situation is not not the focus of our Christian life uh, so both of these groups are you know, they have, some, they have some good goals. They have some, some goals that we would say are off, off base. Uh, but some of the things that they, they desire, okay, they desire to seek peace. Is that something that we as Christians can aspire towards? Yes, but how do we, how do we get it? How do we get peace with God? Is it by emptying our minds and, and blocking out everything else? Yes, no. No. Okay, how do we get peace with God? It's by, by letting the Holy Spirit convict us of sin, by repenting, by asking for forgiveness, by coming to God in faith uh, on the work, based on the work of Jesus Christ. That's how we have peace with God. Okay, how do we have personal direction? That's another thing that they want uh, from their meditation. They want direction in their life. They want some guidance. Well, is that a good thing? Yes. But how do we get it according to the Bible? From the Bible. Okay, this is, this is, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That is what gives us our direction. That is how we know the will of God, is because he reveals it to us, okay, through the Bible. What about a spiritual experience? Okay, that is a, that's a big, uh, a big draw to the New Age meditation. Is there some sort of mystical spiritual experience? okay is it is it wrong to have a spiritual experience okay no Uh, as we as we trust god as we obey there should be experiences that that corroborate our our faith our our knowledge of god as we obey we see god work and and we can say wow that was neat to just see how god worked out in my life what i believe about him okay so those spiritual experiences are are valid, but they must be sought uh, in accordance with biblical faith and obedience. Okay, we can't be saying I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get alone. I'm gonna clear my mind, and I'm going to wait for this experience. Okay, that is um, that is going contrary to what we know in the Bible. So let's look at uh, biblical meditation a little bit. Uh, we have a couple uh, a couple. Two Hebrew words and a Greek word that we're going to we're going to take a look at. Um, now these are the words that that are commonly translated as meditate uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, respectively. Uh, you'll notice that that they don't really correspond exactly to what we think of when we we hear the word meditate. So the first word, a Hebrew word, hagah, uh, can have a whole range of meanings. Okay, we we read this. Um, Probably the most famous uh, reference to this uh, would be Joshua one eight, where it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Okay, so this word can have the idea of cooing or growling. I don't think that's the meaning intended here. Uh, Probably most most often when we read the word meditate in association with this Hebrew word, uh, it means to mutter. Okay, so here in Joshua one eight, uh, when he's talking about you shall meditate in it day and night, it's kind of like: uh, Have you ever been uh, ever ever walked into a room where you know somebody thought they were alone and they're just kind of walking around and their mouth's moving and you hear some sounds coming out and you're like hello. Are you talking to somebody and they get all embarrassed? And that's, that's the kind of thing that this verse is talking about. You're just kind of mumbling to yourself, you're muttering, you're repeating uh, these, these words. It's something that you're thinking about, kind of talking to yourself about. Uh, but the content of what you're talking about uh, in Joshua 1.8 is the book of the law, the commandments from God. Um, this the word can also mean to speak out loud or to proclaim, uh, so not just the the muttering, but also speaking, telling other people. Uh, so, you know, when we look at this word, um, we read that you know that phrase in Joshua one eight. Uh, it also shows up in Psalm one, uh, verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He mutters, he repeats these things, day and night. Psalm 35, verse 28. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. Okay, that seems to be more of an outward proclamation. Uh, My tongue shall speak of your righteousness and your praise all the day long. Okay, another Hebrew word. Uh, This is one we're going to look at a little closer uh, in Psalm 119. Uh, It's the word sayah. Okay, it means, again, a lot of different meanings, a lot of different possible meanings uh, translated into English. Uh, to praise, lament, or one that we wouldn't usually associate, associate here is complain. Okay, can have the idea of complaining. To occupy one's attention, or uh, the youth we're most familiar with, to think upon. So, in Psalm 77... Uh, the psalmist writes, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Uh, Now, most of us don't associate complaining with meditation, but what is it about a complaint that would be similar to meditation? Okay. When you have something, let's say, when my kids have something that's that's wrong. Let's say I've buckled them into their seats in the car and one of them has a toy stuck underneath them. Okay? They're going to complain about that because it's something that they can't get off their mind. It's something that they can't, you know, they can't change their attention to something else because it's annoying them. It's bothering them. It's, it's something constant, a, a reminder in their mind that, that something is wrong. Uh. So, in a sense, complaint is kind of a, a negative meditation. Um, whereas, you know, we would typically view it in the positive sense as to think, of, think on something positive. Okay? So, Psalm 77.3. Uh, Job mentions this in uh, chapter 7, verse 13. He says, When I say, my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint. He uses the same word. Uh, and then Psalm 119.23. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. So he thinks upon his statutes. Then going into the New Testament, we have one Greek word uh, that's primarily used uh, for the idea of meditating, and it's the word malay, um, meaning it is a care or concern. Okay? Uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, Paul writes, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Then he asks the question, is it oxen God is concerned about? And that word concern is the idea of what we translate sometimes as meditate, uh, melee. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you he's concerned it's something that is on his mind as uh, something that is is pressing to him first corinthians seven twenty one. were you called while a slave do not be concerned about it but if you can be made free rather use it okay so he's saying do not be concerned don't let this weigh on your mind don't let this overtake your 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 thinking uh, the, this word uh, in Greek is also the same word that's, that's used to translate um, that second Hebrew word we looked at, sayah, uh, from Psalm 119. Uh, so there's some, some overlap between those two. So looking at these, these words uh, and then taking several uh, biblical passages into, into consideration, let's just make some, some general observations about what is, what is biblical meditation. What does it look like? And then we'll get specific uh, with Psalm 119. Okay. Generally, biblical meditation has an object. Okay. It is thinking about something. It is considering a principle. It is contemplating a truth. Almost every time you read uh, these terms, meditate, uh, throughout the scripture, there is something that is being meditated on. Okay. Whereas... In the New Age, in the Eastern sense, meditation is not thinking about something. Usually there's maybe some some verbal, um, kind of things, chance to go with it to help you not think about something. Uh, You you focus on your breathing so that it helps you to not think about anything important. Uh, But from the Bible, every time we talk about meditation, it's talking about some concrete thing. We're talking about meditating on God's word, meditating on truth, meditating on the book of the law. And um, Philippians 4.8, a different Greek word, but a similar concept. Uh, It's just not used as much uh, where it says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Uh, Think on these things. Okay, reason on these things. Let your mind process these things. Um, So we see that uh, the goal is never to empty your mind. Okay? That's not something that we find in the Bible. The goal is to fill your mind with the right things. Okay? In fact, we have warnings about, um, and not specifically in this context, but warnings about emptying your life of bad things without replacing them with good things. Okay, biblical meditation also is not constrained to a specific location or position. Okay, Deuteronomy uh, six six. Uh, let's let's turn there. That was a a very key passage in in Old Testament Israel's life. It uh, begins with this statement of their theology: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." And Deuteronomy six verse six. And these words which I command this day shall be in thine heart and you shall teach them diligently unto thy children shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontlets between thy eyes and you shall write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Okay. So we see uh, though the, the specific term, for meditation is not used here. He is he's very much promoting this concept of making sure that these principles are not forgotten. Making sure that they are always on your mind. Whether you're uh, going to sleep, whether you're getting up, whether you're walking, whether you're sitting, whether you're standing, whether you're at home, whether you're at work. These things should be part of your life. It should be something that we meditate on no matter where we are. So it's not constrained to a specific location or position, unlike uh, some of the other modes of meditation that we talked about. Biblical meditation also cannot be divorced from the Word of God. We'll look at this closer in Psalm 119 uh, shortly. But the Word of God is how we know God. It's His revelation to us. So if we want to meditate on Him... We know him through the word of God. We know Jesus Christ through what's recorded about him in the word of God. Uh, so we can't be meditating. If we're going to be filling our minds with, with God, we do so by meditating on his word. Okay, that's how he tells us about himself. Meditation, uh, in a biblical sense, must be done with the expectation of resulting change or action. Meditation is not an end in itself we can 't say, All right, I have meditated i 've concentrated i 've focused on these truths and now i 'm done okay why why do we meditate? Why should we be thinking about about god 's word? Why should we be thinking about god 's law? because it 's his word to us, and it should affect how we live uh, Joshua one eight uh, I read this this verse earlier. Uh, so for the Israelites. Uh, the verse. Uh, <clears throat> the verse says. That. I'm getting confused here. Let me read it. <laughs> Joshua one eight. This book of the law. Shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? Why? that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Okay, so the Israelites, let's work backwards. The Israelites want to have success. They need to obey. They need to do what is written in the word of God. In order to do what is written in the word of God, they need to meditate to think about the Word of God. Um, so the meditation produces obedience. Obedience produces prosperity for them. First uh, Timothy 4.15. Uh, let's turn there. First Timothy 4.15. We read a similar a similar instruction to Timothy. Okay, Paul gives him several several statements in um, verses twelve through fourteen. He says, You know, don't let anyone despise your youth, or even verse eleven, these things command and teach, let no one dis- descri- despise your youth. Uh, verse thirteen, give attendance to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Verse 14, Neg- neglect not the gift that is in thee. And then verse 15, meditate. On these things. And then at the end of verse 15. Why? That you're, you're profiting. Or your success. Your, your progress may appear to all. Okay. So he's mentioning. These things. You sh- should be something that you meditate on. So that you can make progress. Spiritually. Not so that you can just have something to think about. But so that you can actually. Change how you live you can actually become more christ-like so let's get specific Uh, for us then uh, let's look at psalm 119 Uh, as you know psalm 119 is a uh, basically a love letter to god's word okay it's included in god's word uh, but it it is uh, the psalmist's expressing his love for god's word and it's a uh, it's an acrostic, so each section begins with a different letter of the alphabet, uh, the Hebrew alphabet, and uh, he does it. He does it in a way that that there are there is some repetition. So we'll see um, themes that come up over and over here. But we're just going to look at the look at the words uh, that refer, look at the verses that refer to the psalmist's meditations about the word of God and and what. What significance he gives to those. Uh, granted, he did not write Psalm 119 as instruction for meditation. He wrote it as an expression of his love for God's word. Okay, but in light of that, we can, we can see how that plays out in his meditation. So in verses 23 uh, and then verse 78. Let's start with verse 23. It says, princes also did sit and speak against me. But thy servant did meditate in thy statue. Uh, verse 78. Let the proud be ashamed, for they deal perversely with me without a cause. But I will meditate in thy precepts. So for us, meditation on God's word is an appropriate response in the face of opposition mistreatment. So when we, when we you know, are confronted by someone who takes advantage of us who mistreats us this might be at work this might be your spouse at home this might be your kids this might be uh, your employer your uncle your aunt okay when we are mistreated okay the psalmist says he meditates on god's word fill your mind with god's word Uh, so it's an appropriate response in the face of mistreatment okay meditation Uh, Verse 27, meditation should be based on an accurate understanding of God's word. Okay, understanding of God's word. Verse 27, uh, he says, make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. And the word talk there is uh, the same Hebrew word where we read meditate on or or, meditate. speak to yourself okay to think on so what's he saying here and the the way that this this verse is is constructed the first the first part of the verse the first phrase produces the result of the second okay make me to understand the way of your precepts so david's basically saying i want to understand your precepts so that I can think and talk on them. Okay. I think one of the trends in modern Christianity is to, you know, to grab a little, you know, read a couple verses, grab a little truth from it, and and then use that kind of as the basis for our meditation. But David here is saying, I want to know, I want to understand deeply. I want to have insight uh, on your word, so that I can think about it—not just some superficial level that that I can uh, remember to make me happy throughout the day—but I really want to know, so that I can think about that deep truth. Okay, help me understand what your precepts mean, so that I can meditate on your teaching. That's a different translation of that same verse. Uh, then in verse forty-eight, verse forty-eight. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statues. Uh, meditation shows praise for and acceptance of God's truth. It uh, refers to them as commands and statues, in this case. Um, but it shows that we, we are aligning ourselves with what God says. If God says, this is important. Our meditation on that thing shows that we also view it as important Um, verse 97 then very straightforward verse uh, oh how i love thy law it is my meditation all the day what we meditate on indicates what we love if we love something we will probably meditate on it okay if we're meditating on something that's a good sign That we think pretty highly of it, or at least we care a lot about it. Okay? How many of you remember back to the days when you first fell in love, as the saying goes? Okay? Who captured your mind when you woke up, when you were going throughout your day, when you were falling asleep? Okay? It was about that one special person. Okay? And that's what God wants from us. He wants Himself to be the one our minds are distracted to. Not distracted from. So when we go about our day, he wants our minds to suddenly like turn to him. And say, oh God, I, I love you. I want to think about you. I want to think about your word. Moving on to verse 99. It says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? Because thy testimonies are my meditation. Meditation produces deep understanding and insight. You know, some of you might uh, be backing up a little bit on that that statement. This is not in a mystical sense. Not in a in a you know if you if you think about this, suddenly you will have insight and. Deep knowledge and special powers, and uh, no, it's not talking about that at all. Uh, I have several friends who are are runners, and often they will use the phrase. You know, different people say, "Well, I could never, I could never run that far, or I could never, I could never become that runner." And the phrase that they use is, "Do the work. If you do the work, you get the results." The people, you know, they weren't always runners; they just started to do the work, to put in the time, to put in the effort to, to train, and they became runners. And so in the, in the, the sense of understanding the Bible, there's not some magical, magical switch that gets flipped at some point. We can't expect to go through our mind thinking about, about sports, about entertainment, about work, and suddenly understand the deeper truths of the Bible. We have to do the work. We have to process them. We have to think about them. We have to let them percolate in our minds uh, so that you know, we can understand them. Uh, in verse 148 then, uh, the final reference to meditation here in the psalm. says, Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate on thy word. the the concept that the that the psalmist is getting at here is he's saying my eyes both look forward to and during the night watches saying that's a time i anticipate because i am i'm excited to spend that time thinking about god's word in fact it keeps me from sleep i can't sleep because because i have this thing that i'm processing that i'm that i'm thinking about and that thing is God's word. Um, in my previous previous job, uh, I was a, a web developer, and there were often times that you know you would just get stuck on a problem. You there's you know there's some way that you can make these two requirements work together and fit. You just you just don't know how exactly to do it. And so, think about it uh, during the day while you're at work, and then uh, during the evening. Uh, you know, during downtime, that problem is back in your mind and you're thinking about it. And then you're trying to go to sleep and your mind's going like 100 miles an hour. And you can't go to sleep because the problem's not solved yet. Uh, well, I think that is what, what David is referring to here. But he's saying that was God's word for him. God's word was, was racing through his mind. He was so elated to, to be thinking about it that it kept him up. And he was okay with that it wasn 't the kind of things that keep you up at night, like the same dream over and over and again, over again, um, you know falling in and out of consciousness and just getting frustrated uh, that wasn 't it at all he was He was really enjoying this time that he had at night meditating on god 's word so uh, your notes there meditation on god 's word should rank high on our priority list um, not out of out of guilt or or out of uh, you know, this, this sense of obligation. But as we get to know God's word more, it becomes a delight to think about. We think about the truths that are contained in it. Now, to get to this point. Okay, so we see, we see the value of, of meditation. We see the, we see the, the fact that, that it really can produce change in us. But at the same time, you know, we're busy. We have things going on. We have things competing for our for our our brain space. I mean, we're the kind of society that if we can't stand much much downtime. So we, you know, even though we crave it, we fill it up with things really quickly. So when you have a couple minutes, you you know you you check for you know check your social uh, social uh, network, whichever one you're on, and see what updates have happened. Or you're in the car, and instead of having some quiet time—you you turn on the talk radio, or or listen to to music, or podcasts, or whatever uh, you have in the car. Our minds, like, are just—I don't know—something about our society. We feel like we need to to multitask in all of the all of the different opportunities we have. Uh, I would encourage you just take some of that time and just have downtime, uh, to, so we can cultivate. Uh, the habit of meditating on God's word. And, um, and as we do that, uh, it should become more and more natural. All right, so in conclusion, okay, in James, James 1, uh, 23 and 24, uh, let's just turn there. We have a couple minutes yet. James chapter 1, 23 and 24. Actually, start in verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself, and goes his way, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So what is, what is the difference between the one man and the other? Okay, he doesn't mention the term meditation at all. But when you think about it, one man forgets what was just talked about. What, what was just the information that he was just given by the mirror. He goes away and it leaves his mind. The other man, the man who continues in it, he doesn't forget. Okay? It, it's information he receives from the mirror. He sees himself and he remembers. He remembers what he was like. He, he implements that change. And so for us, you know, as we're, we're here at church, maybe four services a week. If you come to every service, you have Sunday school, you have the morning service, you have the evening service, you have Wednesday. Each of these services, you're challenged by some aspect from God's word. And if the truths of those services never make it up here to percolate, to to influence how you live, what what good is it? It's not. There is no application that Pastor Burgraff can make during a service that will change your life without you taking it out of the service and letting it work on you, of letting your mind process that, of seeing specifically how that should be applied to where you live, to what you do, to who you interact with. Okay, that is, that is on each one of us as believers. Uh, you know, Pastor Bergraf, let let's say last week, you know, talked about... Uh, thanksgiving from philippians and he can be as specific in the application as as possible about you know coming up with different ways to be thankful about different aspects of thankfulness to implement in our lives but if that never makes it to our minds if it's not something that we think about throughout the week it's not going to change us at all because the word has been forgotten Because we leave here, we forget it. There's nothing that can be said in the service that unless we carry it with us uh, into our daily life, unless we think about it for ourselves, is going to change us. Let me just read a quote here uh, by J.I. Packer uh, from his book, Knowing God. It says, how can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is demanding but simple. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about god into matter into matter for meditation before god leading to prayer and praise to god okay so as we learn things about god we meditate on it before god and then we use that uh, for prayer and praise to god uh, just one more quote uh, from thomas watson the heart is hard and the memory slippery and without meditation, all is lost. Meditation imprints and fastens a truth in the mind. Without meditation, the truths which we know will never affect our hearts. Right, let's close in prayer.